0: I'm praying for a short sermon, right? You know? I hope and pray you all had a a good week and a good weekend, right? For prom? It's mm-hmm. just a, always an amazing opportunity that that you know, we are we are blessed with, you know every every Sunday we can come together. You know, we we get to, right? We are encouraged to come together as the body to study the breathed out word. And we also have that opportunity every day to open up the scripture and be informed, to be equipped and to be encouraged. You know that as we walk in the here and now with Jesus, we, we need to know the word to understand it and to obey it. Because in knowing the breathed out word, we can know the author. Paul writes it like this to Timothy. He says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And when we read the word, we should seek to understand it and then seek to apply it to life. And we should be about doing that with our best, our best before God, right? That we would seek to be approved as a worker who has labored in knowing and handling the word of truth. And we have seen in Colossians throughout the last two chapters that the victory is in jesus right justification comes from him alone as sinners rest in him that is what god has put forward in this age the age of the church and the human responsibility is to answer the simple call of repent and believe to behold the man, behold the lamb. Right, both Pontius Pilate and uh, John the Baptist present Jesus to people, and they say that, "Behold the man, or behold the lamb that takes away the sins of the world, and follow him." Our, our walk with him, our our. Sanctification, you know that's the that's a big word that those theologians theologians use. But our our walk, simply our our walk with Him, is one of denying ourselves and picking up our cross and following Him. I, I told the class today, is, you know, why are there all these big theological words? And it's like, well, theologians are like doctors; they like feeling in charge. So we have got the big words that you got to ask us about. Right? You know, it's like no, you know. And we are to be informed and transformed in this walk by being rooted and built up in truth and in good works, right? Paul says that is something that toes together. We don't, we don't become pew potatoes, right? We're not just filled with all of this knowledge, but we're applying it. We're, we're putting it into action. You know... And therefore, we can look at another verse and see that this is the profitable thing. That as we walk and as we read with Scripture, Paul states it again to Timothy. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In the world, other religions, Religious people, spiritual teachers may inform us or try to inform us that we need this or that to really know God. But scripture, not speculation, is what we need, right? For revelation is alone profitable. Paul tells the Colossians this throughout all of chapter 2, right? And now he comes to the last Few verses and informs them about every tradition and these old, all these other spiritual things all this speculation he informs it informs the church of their value well, let's uh, start with a word of prayer <clears throat> oh, father God we we thank you today we thank you for today. <laughs> thank you for time uh, to fellowship with one another and to, to study your attributes, Lord, as uh, we just uh, continue in, in our Bible study time to, to be schooled, to, to labor in the word, to labor in theology, which is simply the study of God, to know you and to make you known, Lord, to walk with you in the here and now, to know your word. To be informed and equipped and encouraged to go out, to inform people, to encourage people, to equip people with the fact that they need Jesus. That the world needs to repent and believe, to understand that yes, we are made in the image of God, but we are sinners, doomed to die. And with Christ we have salvation. Salvation. Father be with us in this time as we as we study. I know a lot of people are are tired and and we just uh pray that all of the things of the week that are distracting us or even even anxieties about tomorrow, Lord, that that we could cast our cares upon you and and take some time to just study your word and to be to be encouraged, to be informed and equipped to go out and and to be about sharing the good news and um, thank you Lord for your amazing grace found in Christ alone through faith alone for the glory of God and we just uh, pray this in the name of Jesus Amen well please uh, turn your Bibles with me to uh, Colossians chapter 2 this has been a like I said this last week, but it's been a really good chapter. You know, but all, all the chapters are really good. I'll be in verses uh, 20 and 21. Paul writes this. If with Christ you have died to the elemental, elementary spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Paul has now come to the end of dealing with the falsehoods and the false teachers that Colossae was playing with. He merely wants to, and before you fall asleep or take your nap, this is is the message right here. He merely wants them to live according to Christ. Now you can go to bed, right? (laughs) yeah he wants them to merely live according to Christ, resting in what Jesus has done, and walking in the newness of life found in Christ alone, there's always a but right when it's but god it's a, it's amazing it's whoha, well, but when you come to but humanity, which normally isn't in the Bible thankfully but You think about it, right? But humanity has a profound problem in thinking, well, we need to do something, right? We need to do something in order to be redeemed. But Christianity says this, it has been done. Rest in it and walk in it. That's it. That's the message. It's grace. And grace is greater than anything humanity could ever try to do, right? Because as we've seen in Isaiah, our works, even our good works, right? Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, And our iniquity takes us away like that good old wind. Man, that was roaring the other night. Because there is nothing that we can do, right? Nothing we can do in order to be redeemed. Jesus alone is able uh, religion gives us this nice little measuring stick though. Right, and I, I thought about you know setting up a you know God's way over there and our, our measuring stick can get us like this far. But then we have to take ten steps back because well we didn't help that little old lady across the street. You know. He's forever away. Because we are insufficient. And none of our achievements will ever Measure up to God's holy standard. You know, the problem is, is that most people compare themselves to each other, right? Where in Christianity we are to compare ourselves to Christ. Christ is the standard. I love what Paul says here. He says, "So, it well he says, if with Christ you have died, then we are in Christ." And our standard is he who has come for us. Paul states it like this in Romans when he was dealing with those that think, well, we can, we can sin all the more so the grace of God can abound. He states this by no means. How can we who have died to sin live in it? See, so we no longer live in sin. We don't live to the elementary spirit, spirits of the world. We live... In Christ. Paul tells it like this to the Galatians, but now that you have come to know God, and this is what we talked about in Sunday school a little bit, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? It's it's right there in, in Israel, right? You know, we want to go back. You're going to kill us out here. There's There was food to eat in in Egypt. Right? It's the same thing. In Christ, we know God, and we are known by God. And Paul asks a great question, right? The whole book of Hebrews is about this great question, is why would we want to go back to something else, right? Because Hebrews is written to... bunch of Jews that want to run back to the old mosaic system you know why would we run to something else why would we take from the world why would we run back to the world why would we incorporate things of the world into the church see sin and here's another big word for the day secretism which is the blending of things does not belong in the church yet believers Continue the quest to find common grounds within religions and religious peoples of entirely different orders that totally disregard and disagree with everything, everything taught in the Bible and orthodoxy, which is another big word, but it just means right belief. It totally disagrees with right belief itself. Paul states it in. States this in Colossians, he says, why, as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit to regulations? And we in Christ are are dead to worldly things. It doesn't mean you get to not pay your taxes. Paul deals with that in Romans 13. Sorry. (laughs) This is an entirely different context. we are dead to worldly things around us. We don't have to give in to them. We don't have to submit to them because the authority and rule is all in Christ Jesus. See, the whole context is dealing with religious traditions with Jews and pagans. Whether it was Jews calling them to follow the law or pagans telling them to obey some weird vision, the church in Colossae was told, the church now is told, we don't have to submit to those things. You now, every everyone now you know, we talked about you know, judgment last week. Everyone wants to judge people now without a trial. The world is quick to judge when it is about someone else, right? Unless it's them. No, no, don't judge me, right? See, the church should hear both sides, as Proverbs states. It says, "One who states his case first seems right." Right? It's kind of like the, the argumentations that Paul doesn't want them to delude or be deluded into is because they seem plausible. But Proverbs eighteen seventeen states it like this. It seems right until the other comes and examines him. Right? That's why there's cross-examination in our courtrooms. Like, the witness says this and then the cross-examiner comes in and, eh, were you really there at what were you doing at 10.35? Well, I was eating potato salad, you know. See, you wasn't there. <laughs> you know, we should hear both sides of an issue. And we should listen to James, right? This one's a good verse for everybody. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everybody be quick to hear. Have you ever, you know, your mom ever tell you, God gave you two of these and one of those for a reason. <laughs> you listen more than you talk. You know, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we as believers, as as the church, should seek the righteousness of God and not the world's vengeance. Not only about being on one side, we shouldn't submit to worldly things. As we are alive to them, we should submit to our Lord Jesus Christ. The issues of do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch are what Paul lays before the Colossian believers. Please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. chapter 4 uh, will be in verses 1 through 5. Paul writes this to Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons though sorry, through the insincerity of liars whose Seared, whose consciousness is, consciousness is seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from the food foods that God create, created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it, was, if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. I love this passage. The departure of the faith comes like this, right? Paul says they devote themselves, right? We're, we're to be devoted, like we talked about, who's our master, right? If beer and pizza are your idol, then who is Jesus, right? Is he our master? Is he our auto nine? We are devoted to him. But first, they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and demons, Right, that always goes back to even the spiritual conflict that we are a part of, that Paul spoke of in Colossians, speaks of in Ephesians and Philippians, and elsewhere in the Bible. There is spiritual warfare. And that is why discernment is needed as believers and within a church. Because we don't want to be there, right? We don't want to be deceived by deceitful spirits and demons. We need to test everything because we are aiming to please ourselves, right? No, we're aiming to please Christ, to seek His will and not our own and not the world's. And then, secondly, they listen to those that have seared consciences, conscience. You know, they're teachers and therefore themselves. Will not listen to reason. And we as believers, we as the church, are, are called to this, right? To the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And lastly, right, he gets to the lastly part. Paul says they forbid that which God has created to be enjoyed and given thanks for. And we'll get to that part in Colossians, right? Do what? Do whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God, right? Spoiler alert. <laughs> May that be food or marriage. Paul tells the believers in Colossae that they're they are not alive to these things. They're, alive. So they're not alive to those traditions. They're alive in Christ. And that is so much more than do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch. As we'll see as we get into chapter 3. For as we set our sight upon Christ Jesus, we are called to walk with him. Paul ends chapter 2 of Colossians in verses 22 and 23. He states this, referring to things that are all perishable as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and that good old word asceticism and the severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know, if something is of no value, why don't we get rid of it? And my, my first thought was because it's nostalgic, man, right? You know, it's, it's something that we hold on to that reminds us of when we were a kid or when our, our little babies that are, I mean, this one's graduating over there. You know? and, and when they were tiny, you know, you, you want to, oh, yeah, we're going to keep this little painting. And my, I mean, I go up to my mom's place, and I'm like, man, I have homework here from, like, high school and middle school. I'm like, you don't need to keep this. It's, it's there. The question, you know, th- those things are, are, are okay to a point. <laughs> but and why keep worldly things? is Paul's question. Why why cling to things that are perishable? Yeah, you know, we, we see that physically we might need two hundred cans of chicken noodle soup because who knows when the next May snowstorm's gonna come, right? This this week. It's coming, right? No. No, right? I'll, I'll be praying for your acceptance of, of the snow. <laughs> um but do we do we need to live in fear? Even in that illustration, right? And you know, we should live as a believer. Should we live by human precepts and teachings? You now, Paul actually states this to the believers in Corinth: "Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both." one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. We should enjoy the food that was created for us to enjoy and run from that which is sin. For, the, <coughs> for we should not be mastered by anything as we are submitted to the Lord. We are to seek to honor the Lord in our heart, not fearing the commandments of man, right? That's that's a lot of what the law talks about or the traditions, the pharisaical stuff that was being pushed on, that the Judaizers were trying to push on the church in the book of Acts. But we should honor the Lord. Because if we do that, if we if we are thinking that we honor God by fearing the commandments of man, we actually worship the Lord in vain. For in this, the devotion of myths, the devotion of man's commands, we turn from the truth, actually. Titus actually talks about that. Well, Paul talks about it in Titus. The truth stands out, right? Paul talks about it. You know, the truth stands out that conformity is way easier than transformation. But we are called to not be conformed to be transformed. You know, i I've thought about this for a while. A, a people, a community, a nation actually seek conformity because survival is key to a nation, to a people, to a world. Where the believer, the church, actually seeks transformation because truth is key. A good conscience, a sincere faith, and being a living sacrifice is about loving the Lord above and to love our brother and sisters beside us. That is what the believer in the church is to be about as they seek Christ and live by grace in the Holy Spirit. You know, and we we seek that truth through the lens of Scripture. Because that's the active agent. As Hannah read in Hebrews four twelve. You know, it is living and active. And you know, we are simply released. Released from religious Traditions and worldly thinking that state, well, if I'm good enough, right? It's that measuring stick. I'm better than you. Still not close enough. Because in the end, we know the truth that no one is good enough. And we all need Jesus. Right? Jesus said, I came for sinners. And the tax collectors and sinners knew that they needed a physician, right That's what Jesus says, the Pharisees and the Sadducees why are you dining with them? and It's like, did they even realize that they needed him as well? Because if you think you have it together we don't we don't have it. Paul tells them this these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion that's all it boils down to a placebo that makes us feel good but the placebo the necessary <laughs> antidote the necessary news is that we are dead in our trespasses and sin and we need a redeemer and thankfully Thankfully, God, being rich in mercy, so loved the world that He sent His Son. Uh, I've enjoyed this this word, right? We have, they have the appearance of asceticism, right? And I defined that last week. It's self-denial, right? It makes you look good because you're, oh, you're, you're disciplined and you can, you can fight. You, know, you don't have to party sit at home and watch whatever you want to watch. It's like, well, yeah, you know. Our lack of indulgence somehow in that thinking somehow brings us closer to God. You know, last week we looked at it, it's like, no, there's nothing that can bring us closer to God than Jesus, period. All of this is severity to the body. And it somehow makes us holy. But yeah walk to the words of Jesus, you turn to the words of Jesus, and he states this, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Woo! Then you go down a couple more verses. This is in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 18 through 20, he states this, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. From out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So, should we follow our heart? Right? Hollywood tells you, yeah, yeah you're a good person. And Jesus says, no. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Sinners cannot somehow become holy in and by themselves. That's the whole the whole of the gambit right there. We sinners need a savior, a redeemer, and a friend that brings us this to be made alive by God in Christ. Paul tells the Colossians the truth. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The world and its goods, the world and its promises, they attempt to deal with our problems. We can kind of hide it away and think nothing of it. From self-help to ads for apartments... To diet plans, from justice now. We are a world that is trying to save ourselves, but the truth is we are out of gas and rolling down a hill, straight into oncoming traffic, and the self-help book told us to cut our brakes. Right? That will help. Just cut them. Because the answer is not in us. The answer is not in this world. In our power... To be anything, we cannot stop the indulgence of the flesh, which is sin, and sin leads to death. We cannot stop it, it can only be stopped by one, right? For only one is able. And Jesus says it to those that should have known better He says, Woe to you, right? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, right? That's, oh yeah, we look pretty, we're good. (laughs) Which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. Man, what a nice guy. (laughs) So, you also outwardly appear righteous to others right that's that's the whole thing The 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 game they're playing is that, you know look at me look at me right that jesus talks about that in other places their their phylacteries these uh prayer um headgear <laughs> pretty much they would wear them and then their their prayer tassels they would have them so long that they would just appear righteous look look how holy i am but jesus states within you uh, but within you are full of hypocrisies and lawlessness, right? We shouldn't judge by outward appearance. That's what James talks about, right? You know, don't, oh, the person that looks rich, sit him in the high place. The person that's poor, right, you sit at my feet, right? We're not to have that about appearance. And we should be about the heart, right? We are to start here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This only can start with the newness of life, and the newness of life is found in Christ alone. So the question is, how how do we go forward? How do we how do we live as transformed people, resting in the Lord? I'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter three. I'm going to start in verse three. Paul states this: for we are the circumcision. Who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I might my, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead now it really goes back to what Paul had stated in Colossians in Christ we are of the circumcision made without hands right it's a sign of the covenant back then and our sign of the covenant now is being in Christ sealed by the Holy Spirit so Paul goes on saying we should have no confidence in the flesh Paul tells the Philippians that he had every reason to have confidence in the flesh, but he counted it a loss compared to Christ. And he'll explain in Romans how he talks about the fact that it was the covetousness, his heart, that commandment, dealing with the mind and our thoughts that held him up and brought him crashing down. Compared to Christ, he now counts all that he has done as rubbish. trash why would we count that Paul clings to Christ in order to gain something he would never be able to do on his own resurrection from the dead now for the world for the religious people and the non-religious people the call goes out we are insufficient and unwilling to deal with the truth of our condition before a holy and just God. Therefore, repent and believe in Christ Jesus. And for those that have heeded this call, those that have believed upon Jesus, they are given the right to become children of God. They are too, as Paul states, share in his sufferings, right? Because we're all a part of the same conflict. And that means we deny ourselves. We pick up our cross and we follow Jesus, understanding that we both, that both of this, or all of this includes suffering and comfort, are a part of our life living for Jesus in a broken world. The Lord states it. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. And we understand that Jesus, the Lord, the true light, bore witness. To the truth. The truth. And therefore the church, his body, his bride, should do the same thing. Bear witness to the truth. And in doing that we we may be hated, imprisoned, fined, marginalized, or maligned, and persecuted. Because the world does not want to hear the truth. It doesn't want the light to shine for the light... Shows the world that its deeds are evil. As believers, we are called to be light and salt. That we would find no value in worldly things and stand for Christ, for He alone is the hope for all of humanity. Let's close in a word of prayer. <coughs> oh Father God, we. Thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us, Lord. Thank you for the grace and mercy found in Christ our Lord. And that we have a steadfast and firm anchor for our souls. A great high priest that will walk through us through all of life and that we should not fear life nor death because you hold us in, our, in your hands, O oh Lord. Help us uh, go forward. Encourage us and equip us and help us uh, proclaim the truth of who you are to a lost and dying world, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.